Hey everybody, how's it going? Uh, this episode of We Eat Stuff and Talk About Things is sponsored by Narwhals Crafted Urban Ice. Um, the lovely folks from Narwhals recently joined our Patreon campaign and they became patrons of ours for $10 a month. Thank you so much, you guys. So if you guys have never been to Narwhals, um, this is a pretty cool place. They are located near SLU in St. Louis City at 3906 Laclede, and they create all their own slushy cocktails, basically. Um, they don't order in things. Everything is made in-house, so it's not, you know, overly sweet and saccharine, and it's really good quality ingredients. We like it a lot. They have really fantastic flavors like sangria, like a slushy Manhattan, like a slushy, slushy dark and stormy. And also during the winter holiday right now, they have a special white chocolate peppermint that looks pretty fantastic. Um, whenever we go to Narwhals, what we like to get, since it's kind of hard to make a decision, is what's called the flight of the Narwhal, which is where you can get three samples and well actually they're bigger than sample size they are seven ounce pours of any three flavors you like so thank you so much to the to narwhals for sponsoring us be sure to go check them out hi i'm charles i'm christine and, and we, we eat stuff, stuff. everyone and welcome to the podcast we eat stuff and talk about things this is christine guthrie here uh just getting over my sickness and i am one half of the group we eat stuff welcome in this podcast we're seeking out folks in st louis related to food cooking drinking and eating our interview this week is with Natasha Bahrami from Cafe Natasha and The Gin Room. Natasha and her family are some of the OG restaurateurs in St. Louis. She did not originally plan to be in the industry, but since she was a baby, she has been assisting her parents with various restaurants they have owned in downtown St. Louis, the Del Mar Loop, and now South Grand. Literally, they opened that while I was I was crawling, mm-hmm. and they had created um, a swinging basket thing where they would put me at the cash register, mm-hmm. and I was the entertainment. Natasha is also a huge proponent of mentoring people and collaborating with businesses. Um, I feel like she really embodies the spirit that we have in St. Louis of lifting each other up and just basically being helpful. Thank you for listening, and this is Natasha Bahrami. Hi, Natasha. Hi. Hi. Have we already started? We've started. Oh, We're no. going to do this. So, hi. Hi. Hey. So excited Welcome. to be here. Thank you for coming. I'm glad you could make the time. Appreciate it. Nice to see you. Always good to be here. Yes. This is lovely. Uh, who's your friend here? Who you're, I guess you're going to feed pretty <laughs> soon. You are going to accidentally drop some stuff on the floor. Yes. Waffles. Yes. You hear that? I brought some, some Cafe Natasha food with us. Wonderful. Um, Perfect things that go well for drinking, day mm. drinking on mm-hmm. a Sunday, which mm-hmm. is exactly what we're doing today. Mm. I brought a kashka bottom june, which is a traditional Persian appetizer. Mm-hmm. It is sautéed with onions and garlic and topped with caramelized mint and onion. Mm. And beautiful pita bread here that I might accidentally drop for <laughs> Mr. Waff- Miss Waffles. Mr. Mr. Waffles. Mm-hmm. It's yes. okay. He's a pretty boy. He, yeah. yeah. Striking. But the key component of food that I brought along was mom's homemade walnut baklava, Mm. which is divine and perfect with the cocktail that we'll be sharing today. Uh, I brought along with me one of my favorite spirits and one of my favorite gins that kind of got me into, well, it didn't get me into gin. It deep dived me through the rabbit hole. 
Hmm. And many will know what gin this is, but mm-hmm. it is the New Holland Knickerbocker out of Michigan. Hmm. Um, it landed on my bar years ago when I was already in love with gin, um, but wasn't familiar with the spectrum that mm-hmm. gin can do. Mm-hmm. And Knickerbocker showed up at my bar and I immediately fell in love with it. And what was really fun to see is a lot of the American distillers, the new contemporary styles they were starting, were much less juniper forward, um, a bit of citrus, rounded notes and things. And it was just so wonderfully expressive at a time where the U.S. wasn't really as accustomed to these um, softer spirited gins. Mm -hmm. And so we fell in love with it before knowing the company or any of that. And we would go table to table and be like, you've got to try this gin <laughs> um, because it had rocked our world. It was, mm-hmm. it was fun to rock others' world. And really, it was the gin that opened up my eyes to say, you know, I've, I've always been into this spirit. And I really started nerding out a bit more and reading everything and, and tasting everything and wanting to know more. And so I, I always attribute um, some of the reasons why I've gotten so far to this gin that kind of opened my eyes a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So what we have today is not the gin that I first tried, but it's their barrel aged version. Mm-hmm. And it was when I had first experienced their barrel aged version, um, they brought a bottle, the, the brand actually brought a bottle to my bar because they had just launched it. And they have this wonderful orange liqueur called Clockwork Orange. Mm. And so I picked up some bittering agent, some mm-hmm. chinar, and I mm. made this cocktail called the Barreled Rebellion. Cool. And since that moment, it's been one of our favorite things to drink. And it's awesome with baklava. Mm. So Fantastic. Cool. We should start with dessert first. All right. right? Sure, yeah. Yeah. So, Never uh, uh, Waffle thing. seems to agree, to agree there. Yes, he <laughs> now, does. Now, is this, uh, is that Knickerbocker Barrel-Aged Gin, is it the ones aged in burn barrels? It is. It is my, that is my favorite. Yeah. All right. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Ding. Cheers. Cheers. Salut. Good to see you. Hmm. I have had this actually at mm. uh, the gin room before. Always loved it. We call it our converter cocktail. Hmm. So we try to, at the gin room, what we try to do is create cocktails that can lean people in to the spirit more. Hmm. There's so many people who walk in and say, oh, I've had a bad experience with gin, or it just doesn't work for me, or I don't like juniper, or Mm -hmm. I'm a whiskey gal or guy. (laughs) And it's like, give me three minutes, and I will get through to you if you allow me to. Mm-hmm. So this is one of our, um, it's a bit Manhattan-esque, mm-hmm. and it's one that we use to convert bourbon lovers mm. and babysit them mm-hmm. into the yeah. world of gin. And so, yeah. So describing this, you know, for people who, who aren't here, they can't see it, this is not clear. It's very, it's very amber-hued, brown. yeah. <laughs> it looks like bourbon or whiskey or something like that. But this one's mixed with a little bit of chinar, right? Chinar, clockwork orange, and a bit of Dolin Rouge. Mm. Um, and even by itself, it is a little little darker, right? It is, absolutely. So those who, if we didn't communicate to them mm. that this was a gin cocktail, may not immediately understand sure. that it was. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. But once you do, if you do acknowledge that it is, you'll notice there's a lot more botanical focus. There's a... Mm. Um, there's little attributes that sneak up into it mm-hmm. that in a lighter body that a whiskey can't really do. Sure. So it's fun to see mm-hmm. what, what gin can do in so yeah. many different avenues. So there's gins that have vegetal notes and are more tequila-like. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, so the whole range, it's really fun to play with the whole spectrum of gin. Absolutely. Um, Natasha, for people who may not know, tell people who you are. Um, well, my name is Natasha, and I currently live in St. Louis, Missouri, and travel all over the place. Mm-hmm. And I am often called the Gin Girl. Um, and it's it's fun to have a persona that really exudes what we work and strive to 
to do um, in this platform of elevating just the category of not only gin, but but the category of elevated drinking. Mm-hmm. It's not, you can walk into my bar and we have everything. We have, we just did a count and we have 85 Amaros. Whoa. Wow. So that would include vermouths and fernets sure. and all fortified wines sure, and yeah. things. And Cause, yeah, because that basically means any kind of herbal, ta- it's kind of Italian herbal bitter. Absolutely. Sort of, yeah. Like Absolutely. Campari is a Amaro, Campari right? would be an Amaro. Yeah. Absolutely, yes. Um, the vermouth that is used in this, the chinar that is used in this would be in the Amaro category. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we're about to launch um, an Amaro menu, mm. but... There's going to be an Amaro menu, but really we're putting together a whole um, index of Amaro and Amari where you can come in and see the spectrum of bitterness mm. um, from aperitivos to mm. digestivos, like to understand what may be better to drink before dinner, what's better to drink after dinner, what's better to drink through dinner, mm-hmm. um, all of these things. Sure. Neat. Very cool. So what's the difference between an Amaro and an Amari? A plural and singular. Oh, good. Yes, yes. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> That's okay. it. Yes. It's like hippopotamus, hippopotami. Gotcha. Okay. Totally. Okay. Got it. <laughs> um, Natasha, what's the name of your restaurant? Cafe Natasha. Uh-huh. Yes. And so also the, the gin room, kind of? And the gin room is inside of Cafe Natasha. Okay. Yes. Um, hmm. It feels like they're separate entities. But they very much complement mm. each other. Okay. People have said, why gin with Persian cuisine? Mm. They don't drink alcohol in Iran or so, yeah. which mm. is still a relatively new thing mm-hmm. since the revolution. So yeah. since 79, 80 is sure. where this was a restriction. And before that, it, it quite wasn't. Yeah, Iran was very westernized, right? It very. My mother would wear the shortest skirts <laughs> and the the be, the highest yeah. European hair fashions mm. and clothes fashions. They were very um, very modern. Mm. Um, prior very to that, yes, mm. yes, um, they would put our styles to shame right now. Mm. <laughs> um, and so things have changed, but. Gin has nothing really to do with Persian. It just happens to be my family business that was there that gave opened up um, the opportunity for me to be able to take a risk. In I was living in Washington, D.C. at that time. And the coast, east and west coast, seemed to um, be five years ahead of what anything in the Midwest is really doing, was really doing. Mm-hmm. And I had begun begun to become a little frustrated with Mm -hmm. that. Um, I'm very proud of St. Louis, born and raised here, but have lived all over the world. Every time I kept finding myself missing St. Louis, missing the Mm -hmm. people of St. Louis. And it was really great to be able to come back here and take all the things that I've learned and kind of launch that here in St. Louis first, Mm -hmm. not try to dive it into the coasts, mm-hmm. but really let us elevate what we're doing right here. Mm-hmm. And it was a difficult, it was difficult mm-hmm. to create a consumer base that would be eager about gin. So we very much baby stepped it. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, kind of the same way Cafe Natasha did. Hmm. We opened Cafe Natasha in 1983. Wow. wow. Around the time of the folk ran too, right? Yes, mm-hmm. yes. There are a few of us. Um, King and I is also one of them. Mm-hmm. And of course, more than that. Mm-hmm. But who've been around over three decades uh, um, of really the same kind of ownership, mm-hmm. doing what they're mm-hmm. doing. And we kind of jet set it in a way, not intentionally, mm-hmm. but when Chinese and Italian were extremely ethnic mm-hmm. and maybe not even comfortable for much of the uh, um, St. Louis palette mm-hmm. sure. at that point. And so we very much had to baby step to mm-hmm. our consumer base. And there, there was times when they would put something Persian on the menu there and it would not be accepted. Mm-hmm. And so they had um, some employees who worked for them that uh, kind of gave them some ideas about 
maybe doing something with a spin on it or something with a little bit of Persian style rice with it and kind of baby stepping mm-hmm. sure. them into it. Sure. And it's, they, it took years. Our first restaurant was open for 14 years. Mm. And then we opened, um, we opened Cafe Natasha, a Persian cuisine in 1993 in the Del Mar mm. Loop. Mm-hmm. So we were o- already open for 10 years downtown before mm. we ever opened a Persian restaurant. Interesting. And that same way, I don't know if it gave it emboldened me to be able to set on this trek where everyone was like, you can't open a gin bar because no one drinks gin, for one. Mm-hmm. And two, you're in the Midwest where everyone's drinking whiskeys, yeah. bourbons, mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And so I saw my parents had done it, so why can't I try? The worst that happens is that you fail at it, and I have a lot of gin left. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it didn't sound so bad, right? <laughs> totally. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I, we baby-stepped it. Um we had five gins, then we had about 17. Mm-hmm. And at that point, we were one of the largest collections of gin in St. Louis at 17 gins. Wow. <laughs> we now have three to 400 wow. gins. Um, and we have expanded a bit from a menu that was five cocktails to a menu that is 11 by 17, mm. you know? Mm. Um, it's been fun, but it's only because of the St. Louis community who trusted us and gave us that bandwidth to play a little bit and allowed them to come in closer. Mm-hmm. And so I can only attribute it all to St. Louis being stellar. I call you all rock stars. So Good job, everybody. It, it is a pretty amazing scene. And it didn't, I mean, it kind of, I mean, you go back even like five years ago. Absolutely. It was so different. It was starting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't even here for that. Well, five years ago. Four or five years, four years ago. I was in D.C. still and watching it kind of happen. Mm. Some of the superstars that were doing that, I didn't even get to see them in their, like, primes. Mm -hmm. I came and saw what they had created, which was really amazing to Mm. watch. Mm -hmm. What do you think really caused that change? Like, was it just, it's just snowballed? I think it was individuals that really Mm. wanted to, maybe they had had experience with this. I know some of them are from St. Louis, but had dabbled in Chicago or or in larger cities and then come back to the same way I had Mm -hmm. came back to bring their knowledge and and passion Mm. to their own city. And I would say what led it was people who, um, weren't willing to take no for an answer and just saying, I'm, I'm going to start this and you have to start somewhere. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's like also a little bit of a difference of character of the type of fine dining we have in St. Louis, especially now. I mean, go back like 10, 20 years ago, it was more of like, you know, white tablecloths, like a bit of a snooty thing where only the, you, were go, you went there, you were expected to know what everything was. But now St. Louis, we're kind of the masters of like casual fine dining where you can dress as you are. You're not expected to know everything. Mm-hmm. And people who, the front of the house people will be patient with you. And even the cook may even come out and just talk to you and stuff like that. I mean, that's something that, I think uh, you probably can't find other places, not to the degree we have in St. Louis. It's just very welcoming. Um, it's very, uh, you know... Midwestern. That, yeah, maybe so, yeah. So maybe may it's the reason why it's been really grown is that people aren't so afraid. Mm. You know, realize you can go in there and not be treated like, oh, you don't know what this is? Well, you should eat here. <laughs> or this I isn't agree. for you. Yeah, Completely. Mm-hmm. I am, it, it's another tribute to how amazing St. Louis is and has become. Mm that we've been willing and open to other people's cultures and mm. ideas and things like that and being really patient with it. So mm. I'd agree. Mm. When your family opened, what was the name of the first restaurant your It was family? called The Little Kitchen. Okay. Was that also mm. Persian-ish, you say? It was American cafeteria style. They would make mm. um, a fresh turkey and chicken and every single day. Wow. Mm. Yes, it was mm. when downtown was still thriving. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and at our peak, we would have a line around the building down wow. there, which was, but not at our peak. Yeah. There was five people a day, wow. you know, mm. so they had to get through that to become what they were down there. Mm-hmm. So um, imagine uh, they would have fish on Fridays mm-hmm. because they mm-hmm. learned. That's what St. Louis does. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they started with 
um, as was told by the community to put spaghetti with fish. That this is was absolutely without a doubt hmm. fish and spaghetti. Interesting is what how you ate your 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 Friday fish, hmm. right? And so hmm. it made no sense to us, zero. <laughs> Yet they told us to do it, so we did it, and uh-huh. it sold. Wow! Hmm. And then what they started doing is making the Persian basmati rice with dill mm. and the, so a green rice, mm-hmm. and putting it for free on the side with the spaghetti and the fish, hmm. to the point where as they started growing within the years, they'd run out of rice or something. Hmm. And the guests would walk in and they would say, fish without rice? (laughs) The exact opposite of what they used to say. And so it was almost as if they allowed us to create our own culture Mm. there. So it was really fun to see. And that allowed us to open the door to actually open a Persian restaurant Mm. there where we didn't have to hide who we were and said, Mm. You're walking in here knowing you're going to have a different experience. Sure, yeah. We don't have to baby step you quite as much, which mm-hmm. wasn't true. But, you know, it's something that the it, St. Louis allowed us to do, and we were very fortunate for that. Hmm. Was that the first Persian restaurant in St. Louis? No. No? That is not correct. No. Oh. Yes. There was a Persian restaurant hmm. that opened before us, maybe a couple years before us. Mm-hmm. And they had, whether, I, I wouldn't say they went out of business. They, they did end up closing for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was more, there was a few of our families who had, we were kind of the first generations of Persians in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to show off, they were probably doctors and things mm-hmm. who owned this restaurant. Mm-hmm. And wanted to allow the Persian cuisine to be shown mm-hmm. in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And again, it was um, a time where we weren't so ready for this yet or Mm -hmm. and so they did end up not continuing on Mm -hmm. so we were not the first persian restaurant um even though in in memory they might be thinking that it's not it's not true i see okay uh we did but we did um take that on with the the persian community who kind of pat us to go forward with it Mm -hmm. not quite as supportive as we thought it would be but the american st louis community really did support us so great yeah when you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? What's that game you would play as a kid? The the paper game where you're oh, yeah. like lawyer, doctor. Yeah. Um, like a fortune teller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I played that a lot. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> uh, but I never really um, knew that I wanted to do something mm-hmm. in particular. I knew that education was key Mm -hmm. to everything that I wanted to do. I fell in love with photography Mm. um, deeply. All of my high school years, I, um, you would find me in the darkroom. And I became the photo editor of our newspaper and yearbook basically end of my freshman year. So all through high school, Mm -hmm. that's what Mm. I was doing. And I was intimately passionate about it. Mm. And then really did understand if I can't do anything all the way, I, I can't really do it. Hmm. It's not in my nature. Sure. And I knew that um, pursuing photography wasn't going to hmm. help me create the life that I wanted to live. Sure. So I went to business school instead of my undergrad um, and kept photography on the side mm-hmm. and didn't really, wasn't able to allow that to flourish as much as I had wanted it to. But I knew, I think I knew I was going to be a businesswoman. Mm-hmm. It's just, mm. I wanted to always improve things. I always um, systematically wanted, um, I liked to watch things happen or manifest where I could put my finger in it and make it happen. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Cool. When did you first become involved in the industry? Two years old. Yeah. <laughs> With your parents. Um, mm-hmm. But as literally, they opened that while I was I was crawling mm-hmm. mm. and they had created um, a swinging basket thing where they would put me at the cash register mm-hmm. and I was the entertainment for the guests. <laughs> <laughs> and that was my socialization. Uh-huh. Mm. Um, so I guess you could call it a host by nature. Mm. Um, then, you know, it's a family business. They, they want, I felt it would be lovely if I could be useful 
mm-hmm. as well. So I started the register. Then mm-hmm. as Cafe Natasha opened, I started in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. I was deep in the kitchen. I've done everything. Any, I know my way through that kitchen at a very early age. Um, and then once I was old enough, they put me at front of house doing busing and cleaning tables and things. Um, but my mother was the really the matriarch of, of that whole thing. And at 18, they at, I was 18, and they had opened our third restaurant called Kebab International. Hmm. And that needed a lot of help. Mm-hmm. And so both my mother and my father went there, leaving me as a freshman in undergrad hmm. to run a full-fledged restaurant mm-hmm. wow. while going to undergrad. Mm-hmm. Wow. I hated every single moment of it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I literally hated the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Wow. And um, it took a few years and to grow into my own a bit. Mm-hmm. And when we, oh, we closed Cafe Natasha Del Mar... It broke my heart completely. Hmm. And when I realized how much that broke my heart, I realized I was in love with the business. Like, I was in love with that and I was stuck. Hmm. And so I would say at that point is when I really started deep diving into the industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How long was that location open in the loop? Delmar was 10 years. Okay. Downtown was 14. And we are at Cafe Natasha on South Grand for 16 years now, wow. which is crazy to even mm. think about. Yeah. And, and there's been a lot of evolution and growth within that mm. that place, which allowed the gin room yeah. to come in. <laughs> it, it was really something that was put into place on our 30th anniversary, really, to be able to breathe life back into a three-decade-old business. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't be doing what we're doing right now, being as old as we are, but... It was really exciting to reinvent ourselves in a way and hmm. keep ourselves relevant. Sure. So, was the gin room there um, back in like how long was the gin room part of that? The very end of two thousand thirteen. Okay. So I was baby stepping it while I was still living in DC. <clears throat> gotcha. I would fly back every two weeks. I was in St. Louis hmm. and back in DC to try to get uh, a foot in the door and launching hmm. gin room a bit. Mm-hmm. So, hmm. yeah. Cool. Yeah, one of our first dates was there. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, I don't think the gin room existed. No, I think probably it was yeah. before that. Then. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. uh-huh. it's really a, at the close to four years, but not really. Hmm. Somewhere yeah. Deeper in the three year. It was like a September 9th, I think, of 2009. Wow. Or 2010. Maybe 2010. 2010. Right, 10. Yeah, it was yeah. 10. Yeah. So, I remember. Wow. Or maybe it was, no, it was the 13th. I don't know. I remember because I actually we used to do stand up comedy back then. Wow. And I had a stand up comedy show after that at, um, was this a Gaslight Theater? Uh huh. Yeah. I remember going there. I, don't I remember did the not date. know that. That's so exciting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Went back and look there. what happened. Yes, oh, yeah. I know. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Colin. That's right. <laughs> what if you didn't enjoy your meal or you didn't have that experience or who totally. knows, right? Yeah. I know, I know. Um, so I have questions for you then just about St. Louis, about the folks around. Um, when you think of the word successful, like people that you've been working with or working closely with in the past couple of years, who comes to mind for you? I, you know, St. Louis has become such a, a rich community. I would say in the past, because I've been able to see it, it was a lot more competitive. Mm-hmm. We were, it was almost as if, if one business was doing well. It meant the other one wasn't, mm-hmm. in a way. And right now I see it as we are very much embracing each other mm-hmm. and uplifting each mm-hmm. other. Even if you take just South Grand, mm-hmm. so many new restaurants, along with the ones who've been there forever, mm-hmm. are are growing and changing mm-hmm. and honestly uplifting each other. True. Um, mm-hmm. I could sit here and name two handfuls of people Mm -hmm. and I think it would almost be unfair to just name a couple of them. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I'm so impressed by St. Louis. I'm, I have interviews all the time with newspapers and things that are trying to say, uh, around the world and saying, you know, what is inspiring you in St. Louis or it's like St. Louis is inspiring me Mm -hmm. together. One person does something 
and, and it inspires somebody else to do something just as amazing. Um, what I'm, what I've currently been very exciting, excited about is almost this, this beautiful female movement that's mm. been happening. Mm. Um, we, there are, um, Angie Ortman right now is doing the Force to Femme yep. event mm. yep. to really show off. I don't know what she meant to do to start with, but it's really showing how strong the the female force behind restaurants, mm. bartending industry, um, farm ownership, mm. uh, product creation mm-hmm. that has this wonderful female force behind it. And I was just reading one of the um, Bartenders Guild's newsletter just came out today. Mm -hmm. And there was a comment in there that it's gone from a boys club to Mm -hmm. one where everyone, and especially a lot of female leadership, has been uh, brought into it. Mm -hmm. And it's one thing that I'm very, I'm excited to see grow Mm -hmm. more because definitely in the past it was not part of the bar community. Mm. as much oh and if you go way back it wasn't even acceptable Mm. and so seeing such a embrace of a such a strong female forces and i could name so many of them right now that are Mm -hmm. really doing this that wasn't seen even a handful of years ago Mm -hmm. and st louis is doing that big so yeah it's an an exciting event yeah um it's kind of blowing up nice to see very cool very exciting to see and it's all in it's blowing up because we're all working together to do that. Yeah. And both the mm-hmm. male force is helping with it too. So totally. it's just been really great, yeah. great to it's see It's very that. nice to see. Yeah. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, who are some people in town who maybe are, are starting off and maybe haven't quite found their footing yet? Who do you think are some people to watch in the next year or coming years? Again, I'm going to be vague in this answer. <laughs> only because, um, in, the, in the past year or two, I have seen a lot of these um, people to watch that mm-hmm. I saw in my own eyes. And I've kind of poked and prodded them in a way mm-hmm. to get them more involved in doing things. Mm-hmm. And now, on, on their own efforts, are becoming some of the leaders of what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I continue to see that. So I'll walk into a space, a restaurant, a bar, and be inspired by someone's aura. And I've been adopted and had meant not, uh, I've been adopted by mentors. Mm-hmm. I've been adopted by mentors. <laughs> and um, it's such an amazing experience mm-hmm. to have that. Someone who like grabs your hand and says, let's come run together. Let's do something bigger, not only together, or let me, let me open this door for you, mm-hmm. for you to do something bigger. They're doing it themselves, but it's really fun to see that people open doors for me, and I think it's great how much we're opening doors for all of these new flowers to grow, and it's been really exciting to see. I can't necessarily name a name right now, but I could walk out of this door and land at a place right now where I'd be inspired by what somebody's doing. So just saying St. Louis is inspirational right now. Agreed. Good answer. Yeah. I like it. I mean, I totally that, agree. I've been specific yeah. before, and it's just, it's so um, excluding because it leaves so many out. True. And it, it's just what's happening right now. Look around, and there's and there's people who are just doing amazing things. Yeah. Every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really yeah. nice to see. Very mm-hmm. cool. Um, when you go out to dine or drink in town, are there any specific dishes or meals or cocktails that you think people ought to know about? Yes, I personally um, have been excited about simplicity, mm-hmm. and I found uh, a lot of our our leading chefs. I I like personally going to chef driven restaurants. Mm-hmm. I think we get a lot more character mm-hmm. out of those than menus who are just placing things because they seem like those are popular items mm. to have. Mm-hmm. Um, some of my reviewer friends are most inspired by. And myself. These are things we have in common um, about chefs that are willing to step outside of the box. And stepping outside of the box doesn't mean being crazy, wild, bringing black octopus root into something. You know, I don't, you know, it's um, 
people who are willing to even go back to simplicity, which is almost mm-hmm. looked at as you're making a grilled cheese sandwich. You know, mm-hmm. what is what? Sure, mm-hmm. sure. But what care and, and effort are they putting into that simple creation? Comfort food is what we, when it comes down to it, what we want, what makes us feel good are these comfort foods. Um, whether it's a tomato soup or a gin gimlet or a daiquiri. Hmm. So you'll find me in bars that, for one, have whiskey. <laughs> they, <laughs> I like going to a bar that can just pour me some whiskey, neat, and leave me hmm. alone. Um, and two, go into a place that I can go in and get, not even off their menu, a simple daiquiri hmm. done well mm-hmm. I, and consistently I can go in there and just sit in a corner and get the simplest cocktail and get something that's not over the top completely but just inspired and so that's what I really like seeing and I like go to places who does that um, <laughs> we're gonna move on <laughs> next yeah, question lots of people, lots yes, of people do that I, I have some favorite spots and I, I try to go to places where I'm um can just fit in and sit in a corner and sure. Sometimes chill that's a all bit. you need. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I think at Planner's House, you definitely had great daiquiris there. They definitely try to get more. They do get a little fancier with some of them, mm-hmm. but I think some of them are just your nice basic cocktail. And you can walk in there yeah. and ask for a basic daiquiri, and yeah. they will make you a basic daiquiri. Yeah. One of my favorite cocktails there is um, Tommy's Margarita. Hmm. Hmm. They do it. They do it extremely well, mm-hmm. and it's something I—it's something that I can always feel comfortable just sipping on, whether it's the dead of winter or on their patio in the summer. Sure. So that's one of my favorites, but it's so simple. Mm. Yeah, one so. of my favorite places to get the cocktails is the Royale. It's been since it opened Absolutely. up, and just you know that's where I first, first fell in love with uh, what, what people call old man drinks. <laughs> but the old fashioned Manhattan. That's what it's exactly old man drinks. <laughs> and being now I am old man. Comfortable. Yeah, I'm an old man too. <laughs> born, born old. Yeah, same so <laughs> going in there and they do have a cocktail list at the Royale, but you don't even really need it. Yeah. Just go in there, look at. They don't try to. Um, there's not an overabundance of a million whiskeys or mm-hmm. gins or whatever is there. It's, they pick what they like there. Mm-hmm. They have a good beer selection. Yeah. They have an awesome patio. Mm-hmm. And it's just a comfortable vibe. You yeah. can sit on the ca- on the pews, basically. You know, <laughs> the, or you can um, sit at the bar mm-hmm. and just have a comfortable, well-made drink. Yeah. And it's Absolutely. these are the places that have been part of us for so long that... It's just a wonderful treat to be able to go to go to them. Okay, now I have random questions, not about food or drink okay. or awesome. eating. Do you have for it. Do you have any um, interests or hobbies you do that no one would ever suspect about you? So we're sitting in front of a chessboard mm-hmm. right here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just gonna show you how much of a nerd I am. Ooh. Okay, please do. You see this? Look in, out. Yes. I'm assuming we're looking at my purse right now. Yes. yes. I am opening a zipper. Uh-huh. Uh-oh. I'm opening another zipper. <laughs> and I am bringing out... Oh, fuck yeah. A mobile chessboard. <laughs> awesome. With oh all the pieces. Oh, full oh, size. Beautiful. Wow. Yeah. So that at a drop of anything, my, my, my favorite thing to say right now is, do you play chess? <laughs> like, I'm ready for you. I'm waiting for someone to either say... Yes, I do, or no, but I'd like to learn. And I just pull it out and said, let's go. Wow. Do you know about the chess and cocktails at Blood and Sand every Tuesday? Chess and cocktails yes. at Blood? Oh, I will definitely yeah, Matt and Duff and be I, Matt Duffin actually lives right, you know Matt Duffin? He lives right around here. Lovely. Like just one block, well, three over that. Oh, well, I'm definitely going to take advantage of this. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we've gone there one, like once, yeah. Mm-hmm. But we've been talking about doing it again, just, you know, Let's we're always so busy, so it'd be great to do it all together. I'm so and excited. Have, yeah. yeah. Cool. Plan it out, yeah. So that is one of my nerd things that I have. That no, I love that. My grandfather and my father taught me how to play chess and mm. backgammon. Mm. Ah. I do actually prefer backgammon, mm-hmm. but it, it's harder to find, the, it's not the game of the American community. Yeah. Mm. 
it seems like they didn't grow up on it, but we as Persians, it's what we grew up on. Sure. Backgammon really? was the game. Hmm. And so, uh, in lieu of that, more people know how to play chess. Sure. Yeah. So I decided to dive back into chess and um, hone in on some of my skills rather than just blind playing. Cool. Um, and so that's been one thing. And I love, love, love biking. Oh. It's my absolute favorite thing to do. Mm-hmm. And although I ride for hours, I'm not a competitive biker. I am a bike to each next bar or food establishment. <laughs> is So I'll put goals for myself. I'm like, mm-hmm. ride all through here and get to stop at four hands. Or sure. get to stop yeah. at... I did the... A few years back, I did the taco tour. Tour de taco. Tour de taco, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where you... Literally, we'd bounce around from spirit, booze, and taco places. Yeah. Uh, Please do that again. I will definitely jump into there. Nice. Um, Or stop at the Royale, which is very bike-friendly. Or Mm -hmm. all these places where you can just... I think I rode to just the Courtesy Diner and Mm -hmm. had... Mm Going back to like a grilled cheese, but mm-hmm. grilled cheese and ham and mm-hmm. egg on a sandwich and just mm-hmm. divine. Yeah. And so really finding the hidden gems here mm-hmm. in St. Louis by bike. Mm-hmm. You don't realize how much I went biking one one day, and of course you guys might already know this, but we have a we have our very own chocolate factory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. <laughs> mm-hmm. I stopped just to get off my bike for a second and I looked up and there was a sign around the corner chocolate mm-hmm. factory mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm like are you serious we have multiple chocolate factories don't we we do it's Bissinger's yeah. so, and chocolate 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 yeah. chocolate 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 it's like and, they're a little mini Willy Wonka yeah in there uh-huh. yeah. and so they took me through a tour and this I'm like how do I not know mm-hmm. about these mm-hmm. things born and raised here in St. Louis and jumping on a bike and just Going, I'm a street rider. Mm-hmm. Uh, I go through neighborhoods, mm-hmm. and you get to see all the architecture, all the little mm-hmm. small coffee shops and mm-hmm. restaurants that you didn't really realize were there. Sure. Mm-hmm. There's places that have like barbecue on Saturdays, and they mm-hmm. look like just a corner store. <laughs> and so you just don't know about the mm-hmm. hidden gems unless you go through the hidden gems. Sure. So those are my two lovely, lovely things to do. Cool. I, I like that. Yeah. Yes, those are interesting hobbies. I like it. So you do it whenever you have the spare time. Or when I just need to get away. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes nice. instead of when it's like I see the steam coming mm-hmm. out of my ears, like, yeah, I'm just going to walk out and uh-huh. grab my bike and go for a little ride for, for a while. For a while. Yes. Mm-hmm. How long ago did you start carrying mobile chess in your purse? <laughs> um, You know, um... This past year, my father passed away, mm-hmm. and it was something that we did together, mm-hmm. and I think it was right around there where I wanted to like jump back into the things that I really appreciated with that. Mm-hmm. So I'd say in the last year, I started carrying it around with yeah. me. Um, I actually, for years, have collected um, chess and backgammon sets. Oh, neat. So I have stuff from all over the world mm. that are just very unique, and you don't even really want to play with, mm-hmm. but... Um, so yeah, I've started a collection years ago, and now I was actually mad at um, one of our local stores because they didn't have chess. Like, you couldn't purchase a chess set, mm-hmm. and I was very disappointed, and then I found one chess set. It was in a multiple pack, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I was like, fine, I'll take this, and it turned out to be one of the best things I could do mm-hmm. because I could fold the set mm-hmm. and put it right in my purse. Mm-hmm. And then I became mobile. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So sometimes, you know, just seeing the bright sides of things nice. work out really well. Very cool. I like it. Are there any other games that your parents taught you or stuff that you did growing up with them that you especially remember? I was a latchkey kid. Uh-huh. Basically, my mm-hmm. parents worked all the time. Sure. Mm-hmm. So from between the little kitchen and the cafe Natasha, they'd come home for like three hours a day. Mm-hmm. Wow. So the one thing, actually, this have you been to John's Donuts? No. Oh, no. I've never heard of that. Oh, my good. Okay, this is perfect to bring up right okay. now. Yes. Okay. John's Donuts, which is, uh, I believe, 7th and right there on Broadway, mm-hmm. by the Jimmy John's that's there, oh, yeah, in Soulard Market. Okay. Right next to Soulard Market. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
Um, my dad and I, I we were the shopping people. Hmm. He would there was no restaurant depot mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah, he would go to every farmer's market, every every place to get the things that he needed. Hmm. And so shopping was a large um, thing to do. Um, and he'd take his little girl, his little Natasha and pigtails. <laughs> I would go to the meat markets with him. Mm-hmm. I would go to all these places. There's the meat markets down right near um, Soulard Market. Mm-hmm. He'd bring his little three-year-old <laughs> in with pigtails. Mm-hmm. A meat market full of men. And that's it. Who are butchers. Yeah. <laughs> and this little girl and her dad would walk in mm-hmm. and everything would stop. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they would come play and, you know, mm-hmm. be amused by this little girl who would be in there. And I would, you know, just be his right hand Mm -hmm. so when I was a little bit younger too they they would wrap me up in a blanket Mm -hmm. and take me in the mornings because they would have to get up by 3 a.m. to Mm. get that they serve breakfast as well Uh. breakfast would start at about 5 a.m. so they'd wrap me up in a little cocoon (laughs) and what we would do is we'd stop to John's Donuts and pick Mm. up the donuts for the breakfast Mm -hmm. for the day John's Donuts their um, apple fritters and their old fashions, glazed old fashions and apple mm. fritters at John's Donuts mm-hmm. will change your entire life. Mm. Mm. They've been in business over 60 years at this point, wow. forever, wow. where um, John him, John of John's Donuts, uh, um, uh, a lovely gentleman, um, and his sons, and now the family who's continued it on as well, they'd be part of our family as well. Mm -hmm. And so this place is just, it's been part of me growing up in a way as well. And Mm. you need to try this. Okay. Oh, yeah. It will change your life. The thing you need to know is that they open at 11.30 p.m. Wow. On weekdays. Oh. And they mm-hmm. close, like, if you go at noon, they're not open. Wow. They have sold out by then. Uh-huh. They are fresh at 11.30 p.m., huh. which means when you're out on the town, hmm. there's tacos right next to it, and then John's Heck. Donuts ah. is exactly what you need to do in life. Wow. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Interesting. Mm. Yes. So they basically flipped the model of the usual donut store by 12 hours. They're open at night. Oh, well, it makes sense because huh. everyone needs their donuts in the morning yeah. and so mm, it's sure. fresh and ready to go. Oh, sure. So they get the night crew, who mm. the night wanderers, yeah. and then the morning as mm. well. And if you get there at like 11, 30, 12, mm-hmm. you'll have the most exquisite donut in your life. This is before all these new, putting all this special stuff these are classic style yeah. donuts. That's what you're going to find there. No frills. Oh, it's so many frills. <laughs> in your mouth. <laughs> all, that's all, all, that's all, all you care mouth. about, though. Yes. That's all you care about. Yeah. Nice. And these are the lovely gems that my father, who... There's people, there's reviewers, especially right now, there's some reviewers who have recently passed away and mm-hmm. who are no... In the last five to ten years, there's some of the ones that have made St. Louis mm-hmm. who they are. And it's... Really, who you guys have become right now. You may not be this with a newspaper or mm-hmm. official thing, but you're people who are leading the where should we go? What should we taste? You're, you're not, maybe not taste, taste makers? It would still be a taste maker. I suppose so. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And we'll so <laughs> these reviewers would make and break you. Joe Pollack, mm. you would either get, oh, he would for one never do a rave review, but when he did, mm. he's the one who made us. Wow. We came up Joe Bonwich, God rest his soul, yeah. and and Joe Pollock, God rest his soul, made and broke us all at the same time. Wow. The first week that Cap and Natasha Delmar was open, both of them reviewed us. Mm. They almost killed us. Wow. They gave amazing reviews. Joe Pollock hadn't given a good review in a very long time, and mm. he just fortunately did. Mm. But then they both did. Mm-hmm. And we weren't ready for it. Mm. We weren't ready for it. I see. But so these are, it's just amazing. These are people, and my father, who wasn't a reviewer, he would go to all these little hole in the walls mm. and then report back to us. He would never take us to a restaurant unless he tried it out first. Wow. And then brought us in here. Wow. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've been to Ben Musso or Saigon Gourmet. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. I have well, by myself. Oh, yeah. I know. Oh, you need. This okay. is one of my favorite places hmm. in life. I was a vegetarian for twelve years. And it broke you. Twelve to twenty. <laughs> no, it kept me alive. Honestly. Twelve to twenty-four. I was a vegetarian. A lot of people don't know that as well. Hmm. And so, that was that's my comfort food at this point hmm. because it was very hard to even be as a vegetarian. Luckily, I had a restaurant behind me that changed things around for mm-hmm. me. But that's been going for over 20 years now, too, and people don't realize how many of these places have been around for so long. I mean, I definitely appreciate the kind words, you know. We, uh, that's that's nice what you guys do here. Yeah. You, 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 you try. Well, you lead the way. Well, one thing about us, we, we never say anything negative. That's one of our main things. We, when we first started, we did. Um, we usually do the sandwich. Say, is this good? Is this bad? Is this good? Mm. Now we just really don't like to say anything negative at all. We don't like something we don't talk about. And maybe it's a good way to go about it. I don't know. I know other food, you know, food influencers, bloggers, they tend to, they'll write negative ones. Yeah. Um, and some people, they like that. Some people, they don't. But it's just not what we want to do. Because we know how hard it is. I, I used to work in the industry a long, long time ago. And, and we all have our days, too. There's, yeah. nothing, oh, yeah. there's nothing that's perfection. It mm-hmm. just doesn't no happen. No one is immune. Yeah. And there's places that I don't like that other people love, so why not why they enjoy completely. it? You know? I, mean, it's like, I agree completely. You know, like, yes. um, this, like, Playable Souls. I, I, I keep thinking of Playable Souls. I shouldn't do that, but a lot of people love it. Uh-huh. I'm not too big on it. I like their salsa, but the rest of them are like, yeah, it's okay. But some people just rave about it. That's great. They, they, should, they, they should love, love it. Yeah. Absolutely. So I'm not going to say, no, you go here. I mean... Obviously, people should go there. You know, some people have a wonderful time there. It's not for me personally, mm-hmm. but um, you know, that's why I was. It's also with me, especially. I, I don't like to act like I know more than I actually know. I might be like like I'm the authority kind of thing. Because mm-hmm. that's that's not who we are. Really, we'll never be that. I don't think. But if we can give guided people to good food, good drink, or at least even shows just some good food porn, <laughs> that's Absolutely. you know, maybe really the end goal, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People have lots of options yeah. to try out in St. Louis. So that's nice these days. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Lots of choices to yeah. pick out. Um, let's see. Natasha, is there anything else you wanted to talk about that I didn't ask you about? Um, well, for one, you should try this cocktail with baklava. Okay. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yes, ma'am. We'll do that. <laughs> I'll drink that. Okay. okay. I guess I, I have just two questions left. So we'll eat this and then you can, you can answer. So tell people about... Um, where can they find you in person and online? Um, so Cafe Natasha is at cafenatasha.com. Mm-hmm. The gin room is at natashasginroom.com, mm-hmm. where you will find all of our events, which we do many, many, including Gin World and Gin Festival. Um, on our Facebook page is natashasginroom.com, mm-hmm. or you might be able to put in the gin room. And uh, if you find to find more information, you can search the Gin Girl as well, and there's lots of information on there. But you can find me at the Gin Room at 3200 South Grand, basically any time but Wednesdays, because mm-hmm. we're closed, mm-hmm. and I don't get out of bed. <laughs> That's okay. Good for you. Um, do you have any? Do you guys either through Gin World or through the Gin Room, Natasha's? Place. Do you have any exciting events coming up before the end of the year? Yes, one of the most exciting things that's happening, and we were just talking about inspiration and collaborations. Um, I've grown very, I've fallen in love with the Washington D.C. industry scene. Mm-hmm. They have, they are a wonderful community and have embraced me very much. So, mm-hmm. especially when I did a, a terrifying um, trying to launch Gin World in dc mm-hmm. a city that's not my own i used mm-hmm. to live there but still i didn't have the structure mm-hmm. to really do that and that's a drinking city of them, oh <laughs> and it is a very competitive city mm-hmm. and they embraced me and allowed me mm-hmm. to bring in and helped collaborate with me to create this platform of education on gin into a larger city mm-hmm. And they've been such a wonderful community that I've invited them to come fly to St. Louis and stay in my Air G&T, which will be insane. (laughs) Ten bartenders under one roof. It will be a bit crazy. And we're hosting a pop-up event at the gym room on November 13th, which is a Monday. Mm -hmm. This is going to be insane. Why? Because... (laughs) 
we're not giving them any restrictions. Mm. We're basically putting together a classic cocktail menu that doesn't really say anything. You're going to basically have a choice for like an old fashioned or a Tom Collins. But there's going to be over eight bartenders Mm -hmm. there who are going to, when you ask one of them, they're going to make it the way they want to with whatever spirit they want to. Cool. And you can go, got inspired by, let's say you, you were talking to one of the other bartenders and you wanted him or he or she to make you one and maybe they'll make you a tequila old fashioned or something Mm. that just completely outside of a box, but Mm -hmm. fits into the character of these classic cocktails. Cool. So it's going to be, I, I brought it together because I really wanted the St. Louis community to meet the DC community and really learn from each other. So there's going to be educational events during the day for industry, but at night, um, Monday, November 13th after 6 p.m. is where this big pop-up is going to take place. Mm-hmm. And though there are other events going on this month and through the end of the year, this is what's really exciting me because it's bringing people together. Mm-hmm. And that's what we really are here to try to do. Absolutely. So. Nice. Yeah, it sounds fun. Oh, it's awesome. Cool. Um, then my last question for you is, do you have any asks or requests or recommendation for the folks listening to us? Anything at all? If we're talking about the bar scene or even your chef, I know it doesn't happen so much anymore while people try to change cocktails or change food. Mm -hmm. I know there's a lot of dietary restrictions, but let your chef, let your bartender, like do what they do best. I mean, let them express themselves. When you try to restrict that, it, it just takes away everything that both your, your chef driven restaurant or the bartender that is leading um, the bar you're in, it takes away their ability to really create a custom cocktail Mm -hmm. for you. And so if you find a place and you love and you trust it, love and trust it. Let them do and let them expand your mind a little bit. And you'll start having experiences that are completely outside of your box. I personally like to go out with people who will order and not let me order. (laughs) <laughs> and allow me to go outside of my mm. traditional box. And I I don't like pate in general. Mm. And I <laughs> I went to um, Three Flags. Three oh, Flags. I miss that place so much. Uh-huh. We all do. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I went there. And I loved the chef there. I loved mm. the owner there. Mm. And I let somebody order something I would never order. And it was some type of pate. Mm. Mm-hmm. I licked the plate. <laughs> I licked the plate. Mm-hmm. But if I hadn't allowed that to happen, I wouldn't have that experienced that. Mm-hmm. So just allowing yourself to experience things that you don't think you like or just experience St. Louis. Sure. Mm-hmm. Great. Good answer. I love it. Yeah. Yay. Thank you for having me. Oh, oh this is great. Coming. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. It was so nice getting to catch up with you, Natasha. This is great. Hey, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, Uh, I have a suggestion for a last-minute Christmas gift you could give to We Eat Stuff Here, and it's free. Um, We would love it if you could give our podcast a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That will help boost our ratings and get what we're doing in front of more eyes. And, yeah, again, that would be a really fantastic Christmas present. Thank you. If you would like to help underwrite our show like our friends at Narwhals that I mentioned at the beginning. You can become a We Eat Stuff patron through our Patreon site. Visit patreon.com slash weeatstuff to check out all the packages that we're offering and choose the level of giving that's right for you. Your support really, really does help us, you guys. Um, Every little bit counts, and we would appreciate if you would join. Please be sure to join us next week for another interview and also our special end of the year montage of local folks' New Year's food resolutions that we can listen to. And as always, in the meantime, go out there and eat and drink stuff. Bye, guys. <laughs>